It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, Gronk here, calling a 30-second hair huddle. When it comes to tackling hair loss, Hims has you covered. From clinically proven regrowth treatments to thickening shampoo and conditioner. Just go to 4 for a free consultation. Then a licensed medical provider can help you with your game plan. If prescribed, Hims ships directly to your door. Get your hair back in the game with Hims. Try today and get a 90-day money-back guarantee at 4 Just go to 4 slash NFL. That's 4 slash NFL. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. For my crazy day, my packed commute, all those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Whew. Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org getmore. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can win the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation, the NFL for FanRag Sports, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. This Monday edition of Locked On Packers is brought to you by MyBookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. Use the promo code LOCKEDON at MyBookie.ag. It is Monday, September 19th. And that means we are talking Packers-Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons prevailed Sunday night 34-23 in a game that both felt closer and much more distant than the score indicated. Aaron Rodgers threw for 340 yards and two touchdowns, but he had a horrible interception and a Blake Bortles-esque fumble sideways throw. We're going to get to all of that, but I think we have to start here. Defensively, What we saw last week, I don't want to say it was a mirage because the Packers defense dominated the Seattle Seahawks. I just don't know what level of accomplishment that is at this point because the Seahawks struggled to score Sunday against a really mediocre 49ers team at home. And this Packers team on Sunday did not have Mike Daniels. He was injured in the first quarter. They didn't have their starting offensive tackles on either side. They didn't have Jordy Nelson, who got also injured in the first quarter. Randall Cobb eventually went out. So four of the best five Packers did not play in this game, essentially. And when you take Randall Cobb out, eventually that game, the game was more or less in hand when Cobb got injured. But defensively. In these big games, this is a criticism that Packers fans have had of Dom Capers for years. In big games, particularly on the road against good quarterbacks, which is to say difficult games, by the way, the Packers' defense struggles. There's just no two ways about it. If you look at the last nine road games the Packers have played, including playoffs, six of the last nine road games the defense has allowed 30 or more points 
And in that stretch, they also gave up 27 to Matt Barkley. They allowed more than 43 times to Tennessee, Washington, and Atlanta. That's not championship-level football. You can't give up 34 points and expect to win. Now, seven of those came on that bizarre sideways pass, maybe backwards pass, that the Falcons returned for a touchdown. And it's possible that in the second half, the Falcons took their foot off the gas and let the Packers back into it by being conservative. Something they've done before, much to the dismay of Falcons fans. But what we saw from this Packers defense just wasn't good enough. There were a number of key third down stops the Packers could have gotten off the field, and they couldn't do it. They couldn't create pressure. They couldn't create a turnover when they needed it. Green Bay did hit Matt Ryan six times in this game, which is actually pretty incredible when you think about it. The the Atlanta defense, despite the fact that the Packers were down two offensive starters, their two best offensive linemen, they only managed seven quarterback hits. Clay Matthews had his best game as a Packer in a long time with five tackles, three QB hits, a sack and a half, and a TFL. He looked like... Maybe not Clay Matthews of old, but something something close to it. But once again, this goes back to the discussion that I had with Ben Fennell earlier last week. What is this defense? What is their identity? Who are they? We know that when the New England Patriots play a team, they want to take your best thing and take it away. They want to make you play left-handed. I can't remember the last time the Packers did that to a team. Now, last Sunday, in some ways, they did that to Seattle. But the problem with with even just saying that is whether you need to run or pass, you have to be able to block. And so it wasn't so much that the Packers took away what Seattle wanted to do. Seattle just couldn't block anyone. And that's going to be a problem for them all year. The Packers got good pressure on Matt Ryan. They couldn't cover the receivers. Mohamed Sanu, five catches, 85 yards, critical first downs. Julio Jones, five catches, 108 yards. That's almost 22 yards a catch. The Packers, again, in the secondary looked slow. They looked confused. They were in position to make plays and couldn't. Now, it's true. No Mike Daniels. That's a huge loss, especially for the run defense. And the interior of the Falcons' offensive line is where where they do have some problems, or at least where they had some problems last week. Dean Lowry was hurt for part of this game. That affects how well you can rush the passer, it affects how well you can control the run game. So all of those things contribute here. But the basic problem remains the same. In big games, in big spots, this defense has not played well enough. And that's why you hear Packer fans calling for Dom Capers to no longer be the defensive coordinator. I don't like to call for people's jobs. But I understand why people are upset. I understand why Packer fans are upset about what's going on. But it is worth pointing out that Justin McCray, who played mostly center and guard for the Packers, made his first NFL start at right tackle and and was not a complete disaster. That is a Pyrrhic victory of a sort. Kyle Murphy, Murphy played left tackle, and the Falcons pass rush did not eat these tackles alive. The Packers, on their first drive... Okay, They marched the ball down the field 
scored a touchdown, and the the scheme was brilliant. It was creative. They used their tight ends in interesting ways, and and they used personnel in interesting ways, and they used Ty Montgomery the way that you're supposed to use Ty Montgomery in the backfield and split out in the slot on the outside all over the field. But it wasn't able to be sustained. And we're going to talk a little bit more about the specifics of that and why that was a little bit later. But the offense did not play as well as I expected them to until the second half. The Packers in the first half scored a touchdown on the opening drive, went 11 plays, 75 yards. Then they went three plays minus three, six plays, 19, five plays, three, and two plays minus two that ended in a pick. And that was the end of the half. Now you look at the second half. There was the opening possession that resulted in that bizarre sideways pass that was returned for a touchdown. But then the Packers went field goal, touchdown, touchdown. And the last possession with a minute left ended the game. And in the second half, defensively, the Packers only gave up three points. So the defense settled in a little bit. And the offense got things going in the second half. But again... It was too late. They were down 31-7 a minute into the third quarter. They were lucky in week one when they sleptwalked through the first half that the Seahawks couldn't score. The Falcons can score. Last year, I started this model to predict games. It's a weird soup of metrics and analytics that I used to try and predict games against the spread. Theoretically, it should help me win money, gambling. But where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. Which is why I recommend mybookie.ag. If you use the promo code LOCKEDON, you can get a 100% deposit bonus. This is, this is free money. There are a lot of online sports books out there. You may find them when you're trying to watch illegal streams of pay-per-view boxing matches or your team is playing out of market. There are a lot of shady sites out there, so don't get duped. Mybookie.ag is legit. They've been in this business for years, and their rep is rock solid. 100% cash bonus. So off the bat, you're making money for doing nothing when you deposit funds. And they have the fastest payout. It's just two business days. It's no different than going to Las Vegas, but you can do it from your smartphone, your laptop, whatever. Trust me. Go to mybookie.ag to place your bets, and tell them I sent you by using promo code LOCKDOWN. I wouldn't recommend using my model to place any wagers yet. It's still a work in progress. One thing we obviously have to talk about, the offensive pass interference. And and there are really two instances of this. So 55 seconds left in the first half. The Packers down 17-7. to Rodgers hits Randall Cobb over the middle. Wide open. Catch and run to the 49-yard line. Packers are in business. But Martellus Bennett called for offensive pass interference. A call that replay later showed was bogus. Bennett hit the defender inside the one-yard cushion. Offenses are allotted. The play should have been allowed to stand, is the moral of the story. So why does this matter? Well, number one, two plays later, Rodgers throws a pick that ends up in a Falcons touchdown, and it's 24-7 at halftime instead of 17-10, or better yet, 17-14, with the Packers set to get the ball in the second half. Worst case scenario, the Packers do nothing. They punt it. They go for it on fourth and don't get it, something like that, and it's 17-7. No harm, no foul. And maybe in the second half, they don't open the same way because they're only down 10 
and they can they can still run the ball. They can still be a little more conservative with their game plan. This is an enormous, enormous swing. At worst, it's a seven-point swing. It could be a 10 or a 14-point swing. And they lost by 11. But then, with the Packers down 31-10, and the game is starting to get a little out of hand, but the Packers march the ball down the field, and a, a touchdown to Randall Cobb gets wiped off the board thanks to a really terrible offensive pass interference call on Geronimo Allison. He barely touches the Falcons defender on a rub route that really, it had no bearing on the play. Cobb had won his route without the pick. It was a walk-in touchdown whether Geronimo Allison hits the defender or not. So the the call knocks the Packers back. They end up settling for a field goal. Four-point swing. So let's say the Packers, after the first Randall Cobb play, score a touchdown. And let's say we give them the four points that they should have had on the other offensive pass interference call. Let's No, no, let's not even do that. Let's just wipe the seven off the board that the Falcons got after the offensive pass interference call, okay? Let's just assume the Packers hold the ball until the, the clock runs out. We take seven off the board. Now let's give the Packers the four points they should have had thanks to the pass interference call, 11 points. The Packers lose by 11. Now, I understand the fallacy of the predetermined outcome. Just because things happened a certain way in the moment doesn't mean if you change one variable, everything else plays out the way that it did. If the Packers score and it's 17-14 or 17-10 or whatever it is, that could change the complexion of the way the Falcons attack the Packers in the second half. If that touchdown gets called, maybe the Packers kick an onside and they get it and, and maybe the whole complexion is different. Maybe it's not. We don't know. But what we do know is those calls were made incorrectly and they were big plays in the game. I don't I don't bring it up as a way to make excuses for what happened because I think the Falcons were the better team. Certainly given the team that was on the field in the fourth quarter, even if you put Randall Cobb on the field, the Falcons were the better team. They played better. They deserve to win. Okay? So this is not excuse time. This is not anything like that. But it's worth pointing out. It's worth mentioning. If David Bakhtiari and Brian Bulaga play in this game, it's totally different. If Mike Daniels plays in this game, I don't know that it's totally different, but it's certainly different to some extent. If Jordy Nelson plays the entire game, things could have been very different. There were a number of drops in this game. Martellus Bennett had three on his own. Randall Cobb had a play that he probably should have made in the end zone, but it would have been a nice play. There were a couple other drops, sloppy execution. This was not the best the Packers could have played. And given the circumstances to lose by 11, given the team that the Packers had on the field, is not the worst thing in the world. I tweeted about it last night. I said this on Twitter last night. Let's not overreact to the Packers getting beaten by the defending NFC champions on the road without four of their best five players. Now, that does not excuse what happened defensively, there are still a lot of issues to be ironed out. But there are things that, that can be taken out of this that are positive. And I do think if one or two things go differently, the game could have been very, very different. All that said, I want to I wanna highlight a couple things before we go. Kevin King 
the Packers rookie from the University of Washington, who did not look good in the preseason, save for two or three tackles, was outstanding. He covered Julio Jones in man coverage a number of times, had two pass breakups unofficially on Julio Jones, and according to the broadcast, 0 of 4 when being targeted. Did not give up a reception. The Packers need him. That was obvious. Because Demarius Randall is not a slot corner. He may not be an outside corner. We don't know. I, I still believe in his talent. I still think there is something there. He still plays too undisciplined. The footwork is still too sloppy. He's an instinctive player. He can be a playmaker. I don't know if he can ever be consistent enough to be a starting corner. And Quentin Rollins just isn't athletic enough. I think the Packers can use him the way that they used Micah Hyde. I think he can cover tight ends. I think he can be used in the line of scrimmage as a blitzer, as a run defender. He can't play the slot. And neither can Kevin King, but King is athletic enough to follow a guy like Julio into the slot. You wouldn't want him there full-time, but he can, he can run. He can be athletic. He can change direction. And so if he can give you something, that's a plus. Because it didn't look like a week ago, and certainly not two or three weeks ago, that he could. And then an injury to Kentrell Bryce, which I didn't even mention in the, lit, in the list of injuries that, that I rattled off earlier. He goes out. Josh Jones comes in. This could be a blessing in disguise for Green Bay. I think Kentrell Bryce has some physical tools that I like. He can fly around. He wants to hit guys, but he is an inconsistent tackler. And I'm not convinced that he always knows what he needs to be doing. And Josh Jones is a rookie, so he's not going to know what he needs to be doing at all times. But I like the gifts that he has. I think he's better in coverage. I think you can put him in the slot on a tight end or a running back if they flex him out. There were times when Morgan Burnett was playing in the slot. And he had to cover Julio Jones. If you put Josh Jones there, I would rather have Josh Jones doing that than Kentrell Bryce. So it's possible that the Packers' rookie defensive backs, their top two picks, will, after all, play pivotal roles after it looked like to open the season they wouldn't. And that could mean some hiccups. But I think if you're a Packers fan or you're a Packers coach or player, you have to take the long view on this season. I said before the game, I don't mind it so long as Aaron Rodgers comes out of the game healthy and and it looks like he did. I don't mind not pressing Brian Bulaga and David Bakhtiari into service. It's possible, and we don't know at this point. It's possible, though, that in a playoff situation or in a Week 17 must-win that, that one or both of those guys played. But it's Week 2, and I know this was a huge game. There's playoff implications potentially, but it's more important that you have your guys fully healthy in January and, and December and January. That is that is when you need your team to be at full strength. And so if that means looking bad on national TV because you have to start a guy no one's ever heard of, then so be it. But McCarthy came out with a plan. They executed that plan early. The defense couldn't hold up their end of the bargain. And then there was a couple bad breaks. Aaron Rodgers throws one of the worst interceptions I can remember him throwing. Part of it was that he was throwing to Geronimo Allison. There was perhaps a miscommunication on what was supposed to happen there. Geronimo Allison breaks off his route, it seems like, or at least slows down. If that's Jordy Nelson, maybe the, maybe the play ends differently. But frankly, when I saw it live and, and after seeing the replay, I tweeted this. I don't know what Rodgers was looking at. I don't know why he made that decision. It, it was strange. And it was pretty clear that he was pressing because he knew he needed to. No Nelson, no tackles. 
he was going to have to be the one to make a play. And so he he forced it a little bit. He had two or three other passes that could have easily been intercepted and weren't. He forced the ball into some places he normally doesn't. And he he did some reckless things with the ball he normally wouldn't do, one of which cost his team seven points. I think you can make the case that that, that throw was a lateral. But even so, why? What are you doing? Eat the ball. Aaron Rodgers is too good a player, too smart a quarterback to make a horrible mistake like that. He's just too good to do that. You can't do that. And I understand he felt the pressure of trying to lead this team. You just can't make that play. You're down 17. It's so much better to take a sack than to do something crazy that doesn't work out the way that the way that it needs to. And all of a sudden now you're down 31-7. And I'm I'm happy that the Packers mounted a comeback because it was much more entertaining to watch. I think the offense once again in the second half found a rhythm, even against press coverage. That that first touchdown in the second half, they the the Falcons seemed a little more hesitant. Collinsworth mentioned this on the on the telecast that they seemed a little more hesitant to play their their coverage. And I guess that was it wasn't a touchdown; it was the field goal, but it it should have been a touchdown. And then the Falcons pressed up again, started to bring some heat, and it didn't matter. The Packers went touchdown, touchdown. And if you just take the last four possessions before the the final possession that Green Bay had, Packers scored five five plays, 22 yards for the Falcons, and punt. Packers go eight plays, 85. They score a touchdown. Next possession, Falcons, nine plays, 35 yards, punt. Now, that was a, a clock-eating drive by the Falcons. They did that to eat up time. They did that. But there were some positives there in the second half. Was it because the game was out of hand? It's hard to know for sure. We're going to learn a lot more this week about where the injuries stand. Can Brian Bulaga and David Bakhtiari play this week against the Cincinnati Bengals? We're going to find out as the week progresses. What is the injury status for Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb? We're not going to know by the time you listen to this, probably. Um, so that's something that we're going to have to follow as the week goes on. So we're going to do that here. We're going to track that. You can always do it at SB Nation, at Acme Packing Company, FanRag NFL. We're going to have a shiny new website where all of our content is going to go with FanRag. Really excited about the partnership. It's going to be LockedOnPackers.com. All of the FanRag NFL content will be there, as well as these podcasts. So check that out. Keep it bookmarked. We're also, if you have a smart speaker, you have Alexa, you have Google Home, Locked on Packers is there. Alexa, play Locked on Packers. That will work. It will play this show. So please do that. We're going to have four shows this week at least. Depending on the injury situation, we may go five. Depending on how this week goes, we may go five. So just keep an eye on your feed. I'll try and give you a heads up if we're going to do that. There will be some weeks when we go five. When the Packers play on Thursday, I think it's prudent that we go five. So we'll see. This edition of Locked on Packers was brought to you by MyBookie.ag. Get into all the action with MyBookie where they will match your deposit up to 100% bonus. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. If you bet on the Packers this week, I'm very sorry. I picked the Packers plus three. It didn't work out great. But we have another game this week. That's the beauty of the NFL. It's just It was just week two. So now it's going to be week three. We're going to get you set. We're going to have Expert Tuesday tomorrow. 
We're going to have Opposition Wednesday. We're going to give you the full preview on Thursday. And as always, stay locked on Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst.